Uh, I want you to go to your Bibles, Exodus, Exodus chapter 13. We've been in this series, Let My People Go. Pharaoh and the Egyptians have held the Israelites in slavery for over 400 years. Exodus chapter 13 is where we pick up the story that now they leave Egypt. So the people of Israel are on their way to the promised land. The Old Testament, chapter 13, verse 17, it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, Moses said let the people go over eight times in the book of Exodus, finally, after 10 plagues and after a lot of persuasion from God, Pharaoh let the people go. And God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. I want you to look at your Bible or look at the words. That seems really unfair. After 400 years of slavery, I want the shortest, easiest possible route to the promised land. Instead, God did not lead them through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. 400 years of slavery. That's generation after generation after generation after generation. Now, for the first time in as long as they have been told stories of their history, they are walking free. In the freedom now, we pick it up in Exodus chapter 13, and God says, hey, you're free now. We're going to the promised land, but I'm not taking you on the easy way, and I'm not taking you on the fast way. I'm taking you on the long way. I'm just going to tell you something about myself. I, I like shortcuts. I, I just like, why take a long time when you can find a faster way? I have an internal competition with GPS and with Google Maps every time I put in a destination. I do it even around town. If I'm going home today, I'll probably put it in maps. And it just says 12 minutes, I'll make it in 11. All right? I just, I, just like to, I just like to win, okay? I just like to, I just like to conquer the GPS. And, and, and I like to look for shortcuts. I'll look at the map, I'll look at the route, and I'm like, hmm, you think that's the best route? You didn't know about this neighborhood that has a pass-through behind that school, and I can save one minute. I cannot even be in a hurry, and I will do this. This is sad. All right, this is like an issue. I, I have a problem with impatience. You know, I, I, think that, I think that as believers, we have an impatience problem. Because if, if you understand the kingdom of God, everything in the kingdom of God takes time. There is nothing in the kingdom of God that seems to happen immediately. Even the miracles that we read about, that we witness, that we talk about, the miracle we hear about the moment, but we don't know about the years of struggle before the moment. So we celebrate the moment, we run after the moment, but we don't understand that they prayed for the last 10 years for that moment. So now we think God's just a moment God, but I'm going to tell you this, God's a journey God. God is about your journey. He's about your development. We know that God can heal in a moment. We know that God can set people free in a moment. We see it happen all the time. But the rest of the story is that that person would probably tell you, although the healing came in a moment or the provision came in a moment, the struggle lasted longer than the moment, than, than the moment that we just experienced. We have an impatience problem. Everything in the kingdom of God takes time. 
Now, all of a sudden, the Israelite people, they've been set free, and now God says, now we got another waiting period. I'm going to take you to the promised land. It's just going to take a little while. I'm going to take you around the longer road. I'm going to tell you this about the enemy, is that if the enemy can't keep you bound, then he'll get you to return to that bondage over time. If the enemy can't get you to stay in bondage, he'll get you to return to bondage over time. Because the enemy knows our problem, that we have an impatience problem. The enemy understands that we're not patient with God, that for many of us, we have trust issues. It's like, man, any, any of us can pray for a day or three days, maybe 13 days, but then you start talking about some of these stories in the Bible when people are praying for 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, we're like, I don't know about that. Like, I mean, I'll, sign up, I'll sign up for the 21 day, but like this three-year process, this 10-year process, and if the, the, the problem with believers is really not getting them free, and you've probably seen this, and many people have been set free, but really the problem is staying free. Isn't it? It's, it, it it's, it's, many of us have moments of freedom or moments where we feel like, man, I've really conquered that or I overcame that. But, but the real challenge is staying free. And over time, the enemy knows that he can wear us down. Because when you start believing for a miracle, you get a doctor's diagnosis and you believe for a miracle, you're full of faith, you're praying, you're fasting. Day two, you're praying and fasting. Day three, you're praying. Day four, you pray once in a while. Day five, you're like, well, maybe it's not God's will. So the enemy knows if he can drag on the process long enough, our faith will fade. That our ability to trust God in the big thing in his, that he's doing will fade. For many of us, when the miracles of God take time, discouragement settles in. I want you to know this about discouragement. Discouragement is the greatest when breakthrough is the closest. I thought the Holy Spirit speaks to me this week to tell some of you that because, just because discouragement is the greatest right now, it just means that your breakthrough is close. Breakthrough happens at the point of greatest tension. I even feel this for our state and for our region is that there's breakthrough coming to the people of God. I believe this. When things look dark, when things are oppressive, I'm telling you, God has always specialized in the chaotic times of history, in a, in a, in a rising or awakening a movement of church, a man, a woman, a deliverer, a people that say, God, we're committed to what you're doing. And I believe this. I believe revival is coming to America. I believe that God's stirring something in our church at Church 1132. I believe he's waking up the people of God. I believe that God's breakthrough is closer than we think. And yet at the same time, I've never met more Christians that have been so discouraged. What if we knew that breakthrough was closer than we thought? What, what if we knew that the miracle was actually closer than we realized? And God set the people free, but they had to trust him in the journey, in the waiting, in this period of time. So let me give you a couple things, a couple of places that we have to trust God. Number one, you've got to trust the process. You have to trust the process. God's a process God. He's a system God. He's a journey God. God's not about one step. There's one step that's to him, and then the journey of following him is a lot of steps. One step to him, Jesus, I love you, I accept you, and then the rest of the journey is crazy. Two steps forward, three steps back, around the long way, 
because God uses your journey to develop you. God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything, and he'll use the difficulties of our own life to develop strength in us so that we can do the things that God's called us to do. Did you know that God's not surprised by any sort of trouble that comes your way? I know for many of us, we're like, God, why did you cause that? Or even, God, why did you allow that? I'm going to tell you this, is God knows what you can handle. And if you walk and have history with God, you can begin to trust God the process or the season of life that you're in because God's developing something in you. I remember I went through a season this is years ago and, and just went through a difficult season uh, in ministry at the church, walking with people, and, and uh, I, was, I felt... I felt a little bit discouraged and so uh, I mean just heavy and uh, just every day was just a chore to just get up to seek God to do the right things and and I just just felt heavy and I remember I went through like a similar issue a couple years later and uh, I, I realized I'm not even I'm not even breaking a sweat why why am I not upset like I was before I'm gonna tell you why because God will use the difficulties in life to expand your capacity, to strengthen you. Do, do, do you know how you get stronger in the gym? Anybody know? First of all, you go. That was good. Yep, you go. That's good. You got to show up. Resistance. Resistance training is what builds strength. If you don't have any weight, you won't have any strength. God will use the weight of your journey to be the resistance to your soul that strengthens the muscle of your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit. He will use the downturns of life to be the spiritual trainers that expand and, 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 and strengthen the muscle of your own heart and the muscle of your own faith. We have to trust the process. I read this in a commentary this week. It says, he carefully, God chose their way out of Egypt. Not the nearer, but the safer. He tempts not above what we are able, but so orders the matter that evils are not ready for us until we for them. This is interesting, and this means this, that when God allows something, he knows that you're strong enough to face it. I don't know what that does for you, but for me, that's a little bit confusing because there's been some things that I've faced that I felt like I didn't have the strength to face. You ever looked back at a situation where you knew in that situation you said, I don't know if I can make it through this? Here's the crazy thing, you did. Because you're looking back at the thing you thought you wouldn't get through and you made it through. So God used that situation now to strengthen you so the next situation that comes, you're stronger than before. And as you build history with God, the more things that come at you, the more you can trust his process. God proportions his people's trials to their strength and will not allow them to be tempted above what they can handle. Allow the process to develop you. You remember how old school film used to be developed? Now you just take as many pictures as you want digitally. But you remember old school film? They had to develop it where? In the dark room. Do you know where the picture of your faith is developed? Not in the good times it's in the dark room of your faith that it grows. It's the dark room of your faith that the picture comes into perspective. I have to trust 
the process. But what makes it easy to trust the process is being able to trust, number two, the architect. It's, it's one thing to trust the process of just some random person. It's another thing to trust the process of an architect that knows what he's doing. I remember I was working out, um, got working out on the mind today. I was working out a, a couple years ago, and I was in the gym, and this guy came up to me, and he goes, you know, if you moved your elbows in and you're, you adjusted your grip, you could lift so much more. And I, I looked at him, honestly, I just, I just judged him, and um, I'm like, please don't get, I didn't say this, okay, I thought it in my head. I'm like, please don't give me workout advice. Like, I've been doing this a long time, and um, whatever you're doing, I don't know if it's working or not, but I, I just, I'm not interested, okay? I, because I'm not taking the process from an architect that I don't trust. When you walk through a difficulty in your life, but you can trust the architect, that you can trust that God sees your path, that God knows your way, it gives you the confidence to say, this looks like a crazy season, but I can trust the process because I can trust the architect. He saw my way. He knows my strength. He knows my life. He's watching out for me. Psalm 107 verse 7 says, and he led them forth by the right way. By the right, God's way is the right way. If you're wondering what is the right way, it's found in your B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I, anybody went to Sunday school? The B-I-B-L-E. Friends, if you're wondering how to, how, how to raise your kids, there's a step that's in the Word. If you're wondering how to have a good marriage, there's a step that's in the Word. If you're wondering about your morals, there's a step that's in the Word. If you're wondering how to speak, there's a step that's in the Word. If you're wondering how to step into God's presence, there's, there's a step that's in the Word. His way is the right way. It's not a way. It's not an old-fashioned way or an antiquated way. It's the way. In fact, the Bible says He is the way, the truth, and the light. It's Him. He is the right way. He is the only way. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. I remember years ago when Jamie and I, we were praying about moving to Texas, and we, we, knew that we, we knew that we were supposed to go. Like, we had a word we were supposed to move, that we were supposed to take the step of faith, but we were nervous. We're nervous about leaving. Actually, I was nervous. Jamie wasn't. She was ready to go. I was nervous, and, and, and I remember that we're praying and we're seeking the face of God, but we could trust the process because we trusted the architect. If you know God's for you, if you know that he is working things out for your good, a pastor friend of mine says, if it's not good, then God's not done. If it's not good, then God's not done. If it's not good, so that means if I've got a process in my life that looks bad, I can trust that he's good, and if the situation's not good, that means I just have to wait longer. That he's working behind the scenes. That he's working on our behalf. So you trust the process, you trust the architect, which leads me to the last one. You have to trust the steps. In every great journey, it begins with a step. A lot of us, especially in our culture, we are so destination-driven that we forsake the practicality and the simplicity of steps. Do you, do you know how you accrue wealth? Some of you are like, please tell me. I'd like to know that. <laughs> we're, we're obsessed with get rich quick. 
fads, ideas, you get ads on Instagram, you get you know, or on social media, there's people haunting you, and you know, I got this, I got that, we can do this, do that. Do you know old school how they accrued wealth and they've done it for generation after generation? You, you spend less than you make, you save year over year, year over year, and gradually by small little steps over a long expansive time and a miracle called compound interest, you create wealth. That's how, that's, that's how it's done. I'm, many of us, we want to be financially free, but we won't take the little steps of spending less than we make. We want to be financially free, but we'll spend all the excess money that we do have on get-rich-quick schemes, trying to make it big, win the lottery, find this new thing, next thing. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with innovation and all of those things, but I'm going to tell you this. There is an old-school way of just being diligent and faithful little by little over a long, expansive time. And I'm not trying to get in your money business, but let me just say spiritually. Spiritually, the way you become a man of God is little steps over a long expanse of time. I didn't just wake up and be a man of God. You didn't just wake up and become a woman of God. You, 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 took, you took steps. It's, it's steps, and, and sometimes the steps are so simple that they seem, they, they, they seem unimportant. They're so simple that it's easy to pass by, but it's the small steps that lead to big things. It's the small obediences. It's the small decisions of discipline to pursue God, to read his word, to advance your life spiritually that will lead you into the next dimension of your spirituality. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, a couple verses down that we read. It said, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. So check this out. As they leave the promised land, or they leave Egypt on their way to the promised land, God led them in the day by a cloud, and by night by a fire, and they would follow. Do you know what they could see? They could see just about enough to take a step. It was not a roadmap to the promised land. It was not, here's your next 30 days. It was, I wake up tomorrow, I see the cloud, I know the direction I'm supposed to take. I'm going to tell you this, God's way more into direction and journey than he is destination. So many of us are so focused on the destination that we'll abandon the journey. But the journey is just as important as the destination because God develops you on the journey. If you would go straight to the destination, you would miss out on a developmental process that would actually make you into the person that God's trying to make you. Your trials, your process, your seasons are strengthening you. You know, sometimes when you have history with God and you begin to look back over some of the difficult seasons or processes, you can actually begin to thank God that you went through what you went through. It's, 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 that's a place of spiritual maturity when you can look back at painful places and thank God that you went through them because you can see the fruit in your own life of what God developed in you. Do you know how I've developed intimacy with God? Not through things being amazing. I developed intimacy with God through discouraging moments, through discouraging times, where times where I needed him more than I ever had needed him before, in times where my heart was broke, or I had been disappointed or betrayed, and I needed God. Friends, that is where I developed intimacy, so I could wish for the shortcut 
in my spiritual life, but I would have missed the development of painful seasons where God and I begin to grow in relationship. And now my friendship is not from good times. My friendship is, 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 a, is a foundational center of trust, knowing that even when things get bad, they'll never leave me and they'll never forsake me. The right steps will lead to the right place. So many of us are so obsessed with the right place that we're missing the right steps. You know, you can look at a map and you can see your destination. You can put it in Google Maps if you want to get there. Apple Maps if you want a detour. <laughs> and when you put it in, it gives you steps. The steps lead you to the destination. Some of you, you know, you're like really good with geographically. You put it in the map and then you turn the map off and you're like, I'm just going to figure it out. I know the destination. I know it's south. I'm going south. I'm not that. I got to have every step. I got every step. And then I look for my shortcut on the step. God's journey in our lives is a journey of steps. And whatever that destination or promises that God's shown you or given you or that's in your heart, that's amazing. But the only way you're going to get to it is by taking the daily steps. Weekly steps are not often enough. Sunday steps are not often enough. When the people of Israel got set free, they had to make a daily choice to follow the cloud or to follow the fire that was in front of them. They had to make a daily choice. And I'm going to tell you this, God's wake, awakening his church in a new way where we're not Sunday followers of Jesus, but that every day we begin to seek him on our own, that we begin to pursue him with everything that we are, that we make time and space in our calendar to begin to meet with God and to desire God, to long for God. We're creating space in our life so that we take the right steps, and if we take the right steps, we'll get to the right place. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my Path. I don't know if you ever used a flashlight out in the dark. It doesn't shine bright enough usually for your next hundred steps, but it will illuminate the next step. Your word is a lamp. It's a flashlight on the dark path of this life to show me what my next step is. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. You know, sometimes the step is simple, and it's still scary. Sometimes, uh, some of you, the step might be, I'm coming to women's conference, and I don't have a lot of friends, and I haven't met a lot of people, and it seems simple to just go to a conference, but it's a big thing for you, but that's a step. That, that's a step, the step of faith, to say I'm going to step into community. I'm going to step into relationship. Big goals are reached by small steps. Big, you know, we have big goals for our church, for our schools. We have big goals for what God's going to do in the cities that God's planted us in, more cities that we're going to open up locations in. We've got big goals for things that God wants to do. But you know how we get big goals? It's by doing small things. Do you know that a professional athlete does not learn a new skill set to become a professional? They just become better at the fundamentals than anybody else. 
They are not teaching NFL football players a new way to tackle, a new way to throw, or a new way to be involved in the game. They're doing the same thing they did in peewee football. They're just doing it at a greater level than anybody else. A professional is someone who has mastered the basics. And friends, I'm going to tell you this, is many people are trying to be professional Christians, and they've abandoned the basics. The basics look like next steps, little steps of obedience, spending time with Jesus, being in his word, being in community, giving generously. These are little steps. These are little steps that become a part of our life and lead us into the big thing that God is doing. I want to close with this scripture in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus gives us next steps. He gives his disciples these steps. He says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. These are are steps. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know this about the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit is our helper. Luke teaches that the way we receive the Holy Spirit is the same way that we would receive Jesus is by faith and by asking. That the Holy Spirit teaches us about Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our helper. He's our healer. Jesus said, it's better for me to go, said that the Holy Spirit could come. And this is what the the disciples were about to turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, and this is what Jesus says, I'm going to give you some practical steps to do this big thing. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. I bet Peter, I just, I know it was Peter. I bet Peter was like, I ain't waiting for nothing, Jesus. Right? I ain't waiting for nothing. Jesus, I walked on the water. I'll cut a man's ear off. I'm about to go save the world. And he says, Peter, these are your steps. Do the little things well, and the big thing will happen. And it's not coincidence that on the day of Pentecost, the one that walked out and preached, and over 3,000 were saved in one day, was Peter. He did what Jesus said. He followed the steps, he waited, received the Holy Spirit, and went, and they began to see an awakening across the entire planet as Christianity spread like wildfire. I'm going to tell you this, it's going to spread again. Not just the practice, not just the religion. I'm talking about the power of a God that loves us and loves his church. I'm telling you there is an awakening that's coming, that's available to you even today that starts with a little step that says, God, I need you. It starts with a little bit of worship and an open heart. It starts with a lifted hand that says, God, I surrender my life to you. This is not business as usual. This is not check the box church. This is about radical passion. This is about radical obedience. This is about a commitment to the step in front of me. God, if you need someone to go for you, I'll go. If you need someone to speak for you, I'll speak. If you're going to send someone, God, send me. It's the little steps that lead to the big things. And I prophesy to you, and I prophesy to this church that there is an awakening coming 
wind that is going to shake the planet. I see young people coming from all over the United States to come and be trained in this house and under this teaching that we'll send out ministers and missionaries and businessmen all around the globe to awaken the nation to the power of God.